So like I said earlier, uh, my name is Drew Lang. I'm a youth pastor here. And uh, you might be wondering where uh, Paul is. Well, uh, I'm partially explaining this to you guys so that we can all pray for him. Nothing bad. He's okay. But uh, his grandma, uh, wow, my voice cracked right there. That was pretty bad. <laughs> uh, his grandma had a fall uh, last week. And usually his entire family comes together for Thanksgiving. Uh, but they're not sure if his grandma will make it. So he took an emergency flight a couple days ago up to Georgia, and he'll be back later tonight. But if we could just do a favor, and uh, if you can pray for him uh, when you leave this place, whenever you think about him. He's an incredible pastor. I know that we all love him, and um, you know I can't imagine what he's feeling right now. So uh, let's just love on him as much as we can. So, But I'm here, and if that's good or bad, I, I don't know yet, but we will find out in a second. Uh, so thank you. Random citizen, I love you. Uh, all right, so let's just get started. We're, let's pray and we'll get this thing going. Dear Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you use me. Uh, I don't have much to give, but Lord, I pray that you just uh, bless whatever I'm giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I did not go to a really famous Christian college. I didn't go to Southeastern University. I didn't go to Lee or Liberty. I went to actually a trade school for ministry. Now, if you did not know that that was a thing, neither did I until I looked, up, looked it up. So, surprise, there are trade schools for ministry. And one thing that I liked about my school is that we had a lot of little things that were kind of like tradition, that, unspoken rules that every person had to do. And one of them was a game that only the guys knew in my school. Not a single girl has ever found out what this game was. And I can't necessarily tell you the name of it because there might be someone on stream here that is a girl from that college and I have to keep the tradition alive so no one knows. But basically it is a sport or a game where you do things to get points. That describes basically every sport here, so I'm not really giving much. But one of my favorite things to do is we, all the guys had a pact of we would never say anything about this game. So we actually started like, really, we were making fun of people, uh, but we would just describe the game, but like give none of the actual adjectives of what the game is. So for example, when a girl would ask what this game is, I would say, oh, you know, uh, basically you have 12 people on a field and you need to throw a touchdown, but if you don't make the touchdown, then you need to run back and make a three-point shot with a volleyball. But if the rubber ducky is on the north side of the building, then you can't do that and then you're automatically fouled. And I'm telling you, people believe me almost all the time whenever I said it like that, <laughs> which I guess I'm convincing, but who knows. Uh, but obviously, I, w I wish I could explain the game to you, and I really can't uh, due to being under contract. But what I can say is this. Like most games, like most sports, there are some people that were incredibly talented. They were incredible. But the team that always won was the team that had the best teamwork. It wasn't always the most talented team. It was the team that worked together the best. Now, we've seen this in sports all the time. How many of you are basketball fans? Raise your hand. Okay, we got a few. Respect to all my youth kids in the very back. Thank you. How many of you are football fans, right? Okay, hockey. Just Andon, right? <laughs> uh, but in every sport, it's basically the same. For team sports, the best basketball teams, you may have a lot of talent, but if you can't work well with a team, then you're not going to win. And some of the greatest teams alive had talent but worked well together. The 96 Bulls, the 87 Celtics, the 2017 Golden State Warriors, Hala. What about football? Alabama. Now, I'm not an Alabama fan, but Alabama is great not only because they have the talent, but they work like a well-oiled machine every single time. Hockey, I don't really know anything about hockey, so I can't say anything about that. But I assume it is the same with hockey. 
And it's funny because we understand this with sports that on a team game, it's not just about your talent, but you have to work well as a team. And someone that has a lot of talent, no matter how good they are, if they cannot work as a team in basketball, they will never go far. It's true. We understand this. Now, I think we get this with sports. I think we get this sometimes in the workplace, but I think we misinterpret this with our spiritual walk. You see, your faith is part individualistic, which means that you chose to accept this free gift of salvation that God gave. However, it is also based on a team game of your community. What I'm trying to say is this. You chose to get saved, but once you get saved, you're not alone in it. You have a family around you, a team. But the one thing that I've seen in the last two to three years is that we've become more divided and more striated as time goes on. Do you feel more connected with people now than you did five years ago? Guess not. Now, I'm not saying that's good or bad. My entire goal today is to focus on what Scripture says about this, because it's through what Scripture says that we can grow as a team. So what does Scripture say? In 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 27, this is uh, Paul the Apostle talking to the Corinthian church. He says this, But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, Every part rejoices with it. Now you, everyone say you. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Now one of my favorite things is to read scripture where it's pretty obvious what's actually happening here. As far as I can tell, you means us, right? You doesn't mean anyone else. You means you. But oftentimes I've actually seen it the other way around where when someone disagrees with us, doesn't believe like us, maybe looks different, acts different, smells different. That one's a bit weird. That the moment that we realize that they may not be what we expected, we divide and we remove ourselves from them. But what you're missing is that the Bible is focused on a team aspect, that we work best, hardest, and farthest when we are combined as a team, that when we work together as a community. And you can go your entire life trying to go on your own Lone warrior the entire thing. And you'll realize something important. You can go far, but you'll always go farther with the body of Christ. Now you are the body. So how do we, how do we work together as a team? Why is community important? Do we even need a team? Well, community can give you two things. The first one is depth. Now this can go one of two ways in my opinion. I think the first one is that it can go depth in spiritual aspects. You can have a deep-rooted spirituality. But the second one is that you can go farther, depth. You can be pushed farther than you think that you can. I mean, it even says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, when we look at the scripture, it does not say as iron sharpens iron, be by yourself because no one else can help you. That's actually the new solo translation. That's not the NIV, okay? That's a different translation. Don't read that one. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. How can you be sharpened? Do people know what you're going through? Do they know your struggles? Do they know what you're great at and what you're bad at? 
your strengths and your weaknesses. If we're the family, the body of Christ, you need to be known by someone. That's how iron is sharpened by iron. Now, oftentimes as a youth pastor, I hear this phrase. I just feel so burned out. And I've been working in ministry in some capacity for six years, and I've heard it from a lot of different places. I heard it from big people, from small people, from old and young. I haven't heard it from any cats or dogs yet, so just give me some time. That might happen one day. That was a really bad joke, and I'm glad that none of you laughed at that one. But I've heard this phrase, I just feel so burned out. What I've actually noticed is that people that say that, they tend to have isolated themselves from actual community. And then when they realize that the way that they gain power, their gas actually comes from being around people and they lose that, they feel cut off and they're wondering why they felt so burned out. Well, you cut yourself off from everyone else. Like it's hard to feel connected when you choose not to connect with anyone. Now, not, not for everyone. Some people feel burned out because they just feel overworked and they've done everything that they can, but I've known per- people that have felt burned out because they've removed themselves from community, I myself being one of them. And we forget something important, that we are powered by community, not in spite of it. We gain strength from community, not weakness. And if you can't be known by someone in this room, then you're missing out on the true strength that you could have in Christ. Who knows you? Does anyone? Let me challenge you today. If you are not known by someone, do yourself a favor. Find someone that will know you and push you hard, push you towards Christ. Now, what I think is really interesting is that how the scripture continues in verse 25, and this is really cool. I personally like this. Maybe you won't. If you get offended by this, just letting you know, I'm not saying this. The Bible said it, so I'm all good. It says in verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Now, we think division means one thing, and it actually doesn't. We think division means disagreement. And it doesn't. You can disagree with someone and not be divided by them. For example, I have a really close friend named Matt Irvin. He's actually a local youth pastor here at a different church. And the first time I met him, the only thing I could say is, I disagree with basically everything you have to say. Not everything. I mean, we still believe in Jesus. We believe in in the cross that he died for us and then rose again. We believe in all that. But in some of the smaller stuff like church governance and how to run a youth group, I totally disagree with him in, in almost everything. And I'm like, man, I want to hang out with that guy because I want to know what makes him tick because that's weird. So we started hanging out. And I I learned from him, he learns from me. And I've learned that in me being with someone else that is different, I actually gain strength because I actually become a better youth pastor because he actually challenges me with what I think I believe and what I think is right. Your differences don't have to divide you. It can actually make you stronger. But oftentimes in our political climate, we're pushed that if we don't agree with someone, we have to remove them, outcast them. I'm just going to let you know, that's not the will of God. You can disagree with someone politically. You can disagree with someone on vaccines. You can disagree with someone with anything. But at the end of the day, we're all on the same team, whether you're Baptist, Pentecostal, non-denominational, it doesn't matter. We're all on the same team. 
So let me challenge you with this. Have you talked to someone that doesn't agree with you recently? Have you been challenged by someone? Do you have someone in your corner that is completely fine with telling you you're wrong? Just going to let you know, if you don't, you're missing out on some of the real strength that you can gain. I think this, this gets really cool. Okay, so uh, I've been around in youth ministry for a while, and one of my favorite things to watch is when students try to figure out dating, because it's kind of funny, in my opinion, uh, partially because they think that some things are actually really important when, in reality, they're not. So, for, for example, uh, one time I had a student that thought that he would only date, sorry, she would only date someone if they had six-pack abs. Like, that's important. And I didn't want to tell her, but like that, that kind of disappears after 50, so good, good luck there. I also met someone that was like, you know what, they have to be six foot or else I can't date them. Which, I mean, that's kind of weird, but whatever you say. But my favorite one, my favorite one out of all of them, was a guy that's like, I will never date a girl that likes country music. Well, first off, what do you got to hate against country? But secondly... You, you got your priorities wrong if country music is the one thing that's stopping you from actually liking this person or hanging out with them. And I say that as someone who did not like country music, and then I met my wife. And then I realized it's actually pretty legit. Isn't that right, babe? Thank you. But it's funny because when you are younger, you tend to make a bigger deal about stuff that actually isn't a big deal. Like making a big deal about if they don't like country, if they like country music, I cannot date them. But in the same way, oftentimes, we in the church try to fight and die in the wrong battles when there's really important ones that we should all be fighting, that we should all be struggling in. But we're so focused on if this person believes with me politically that we're missing the battle that God actually called us to. You know, it even says in James, if you really want to be religious, care for the orphans and widows in their distress and not let the world corrupt you. That's challenging. So let me challenge you with this. Are you willing to fight in the right battles and realize you might be in the wrong one right now? Are you willing to recognize that? So depth comes in community. In division, and this might offend some of you, but you need to hear this. Division is a sign of immaturity in your life. But secondly, our heart is protected in community. And what does that even mean? Well, how many of you have ever drank an orange juice in your life? Raise your hand. Okay, we got some orange juice drinkers. I love you all. Thank you. So I like overdid it as a kid. I drank orange juice almost every single day. And that's partially why I probably don't do it anymore because I like overdid it. But my parents, at, at my request, would get like the finest squeezed orange juice, Florida's orange juice. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. And I learned as a kid to never brush your teeth before you drink orange juice. For those of you that just laughed, you know exactly why. Because it tastes terrible. But as a dumb kid, when I was five and that first happened to me, I thought that the orange juice was rotten. I was convinced that it is the orange juice's problem. And it turns out it's actually not the orange juice's problem. It's my perception is wrong. My perception was warped. If you're trying to live your life solo without any help, without any accountability, without many mentorship, you have no idea if your perception of what is right or wrong is actually warped. You may have no idea. And I can say this as a person that has tried to, in ministry, do it all by myself. 
and realize that the things that I thought I was doing great were actually hurting people. When we are surrounded by people, when we first set our foundation on God's word, and then we surround ourselves with people that are like-minded, that want to grow in God, a lot of the issues that we could have, they tend to fall away because we avoid a lot of the heartaches that we could have. Now, I'm not saying that church can't hurt you. Church can definitely hurt you because it's full of broken, hurting people just like myself. But I am saying this, that what's the best place to solve that? What's the best place to work that through? A family that loves you and cares for you because we all realize we all need Jesus. This is such a big deal. Jesus thinks this is such a big deal that in Matthew 5, 23 through 24, he says, therefore, if you are offering a gift at the altar and you remember that you or your brother or sister has something against you, leave it at the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Do you hear that? Leave your gift at the altar, solve the issue with your brother, and then offer it again. I've made a realization, actually, last service, right beforehand. Jesus says that because what really honors him is reconciling that friendship. When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time I've done that? We work best as a team. And I don't even know if my wife did, if my wife knows I did this, but I totally stole her blanket this morning. Did you know this at all? No? No? Well, surprise. I have your blanket. And I actually really like this blanket. This isn't mine. This is hers. And it's a combination of a bunch of shirts that she's had in the past. And this is upside down, so I'm going to totally flip this around. And what you'll see is kind of a history of my wife right here. Now, there's some youth group shirts, and she's a hairdresser, so she has like a Paul Mitchell shirt because she studied there. She has a lot of just random shirts in here. And I've learned, because I've seen these before, that whenever you make a blanket out of shirts, you have to like the shirt enough that you want to have it on a blanket, but not enough that when the shirt's gone, like, you'll be okay. Because <laughs> sometimes, like, I've done this before where I, I, I wanted a, a, a shirt blanket type of thing, and I chose, like, my favorite shirt, and then I was just, like, distraught for days. Maybe this isn't your issue. This is a deeply seated thing for me. I, I deal with this hard. But anyways, what's funny about this is that once it becomes a blanket, you cannot just cut out this little section and say, I want this shirt back. Why? Well, two reasons. One, it is now a square and it's not really designed as a shirt. So that's the first issue. That's kind of a problem. But secondly, the moment you do that, you actually lose the strength of this blanket. This blanket will no longer be the same. It won't keep you as, it won't keep you as warm. It won't be as strong. It could easily tear because you've lost some of the strength in the middle. And in the same way, when you remove yourself from the body of Christ, you're not just hurting yourself. You're hurting everyone around you. And it's not a case of that we need you here because then we'll feel more secure. It's more of a case of we work best as a team. We are strongest. We are best as a team. We can go farther as a team than we can alone. And what you do not only affects you, but everyone around you. So if we work best as a team, then why would I put my own opinions about how you should live your life in front of you? to the point that I divide from you.
Let us unite together as one body, one family of Christ, even though we have many parts, many different gifts, many different goals. We're on the same team, and we will always perform better and do better if we are united as one family. Now, one question. Do you even believe that? Because I'll tell you what, oftentimes I really struggle with that. That's hard for me to do because I like dealing with my own stuff and not letting anyone else know about it. But I can tell you this, the moment that I surrender, I always do better. The moment I surrender, I always do better. One of my favorite mentors is actually a guy named Pastor Thomas. And Pastor Thomas has seen me through thick and thin. First off, he's like really old, so that's pretty cool. Um, but he's, he's gone through every single phase of life. He's seen every phase of a church. He's been in big churches, small churches. So when I asked him to be my mentor five years ago, I knew exactly what I was getting myself into. I'm choosing someone that is completely fine with seeing every issue I have and completely fine with calling me out on my issues. And it's been one of the best decisions, I, decisions I've ever made. And it's not because I am such a wise person, but it's actually what Proverbs says. If you want to be wise, hang around wise people. Do you have a mentor that's wiser than you? Regardless of your age, you can be 70 and find someone that's 80. I think where this gets really personal to me is oftentimes when I've had mentors that have talked to me, I've gotten offended in the way that they've talked to me. I'm like, hey, you guys can't tell me my issues like that. You have to tell me like this. Like, I, I'm only going to accept criticism if you tell it in a very nice way with a compliment beforehand and a compliment afterwards. And only then will I accept what you have to say. And God really got to hold of me on me on this for one time because someone I didn't like, didn't respect, came up to me and said something really rude to me like four years ago. And I had a moment of realizing what they're saying is dead on. Will I listen? I think it's better said like this. God can use a crooked stick to make a straight line. Your goal is not to judge what they're going through your goal is to see how you can grow. And let me tell you, that's hard. Like, that's not comfortable. That's not easy. But when I stopped judging people for the way they come at me with criticism and I just accept it and try to move on, I grow and become better. And it helps the body. Will you accept it when someone has harsh criticism and it's not the way you want to take it? Let me just give you a little litmus test. If you, this is how it, it processes this for me. If I get really frustrated and angry because of what someone said when they're criticizing me, it's probably right. That might not apply to you, but I bet it does for some. So we understand the importance of community and that it matters. How do we even get to the spot where we're like the, the first century church in Acts 2? that whenever there was a need, people just gave what they have to fulfill that need. Well, you need two things. The first one is you need humility. To realize that you're not the God of your own universe, that you don't have everything figured out, and that you can grow. That we all need Jesus. And the second thing is you need to have submission. Now, this isn't submission as in submit to abuse. 
this is when someone that's wiser comes to you with information. Are you willing to humble yourself and accept it and move on? I'm telling you, like, as a 25-year-old, that's hard. And it's not comfortable, and I don't always want to do it. But the times that I've lived by this and lived through community instead of going on my own, I've been a better person. Band, you can come on up. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that if I could tell you one thing as a pastor, the one thing I've seen through six years of ministry and hopefully many more to come, it's that you are at your best as a team. And you may be strong, you may be talented, but you will always go farther with teamwork. And for the last sermon series that I had been doing for the youth group, it's called Rooted. It's by a book by Banning Liebescher. Uh, and one of the quotes that he has, which I'll, I'll say in a second, but he talks about how a plant grows. And he, he goes into detail, he goes into soil, uh, how it, plants need to be rooted in the right soil and everything. And it's kind of boring, and I'm not going to be up here and explain it all, because then I'll be up here for like five days, and none of you want to hear that. But what I found really interesting that I found in another article was about redwood trees. Can we put that photo uh, if you guys don't know what redwood trees are, uh, that's a redwood tree, and that's our beautiful sound man, Matt, because I love him. Uh, redwood trees are 300 feet to 400 feet tall. Like, they're huge, massive things. And one thing I've learned in this book is that generally, trees need to have just as much root systems going down as the tree is up. So I always assumed redwoods have miles of roots going straight down. I'm actually wrong. I actually just realized literally five days ago, generally the redwood tree only has roots that go down 12 feet. Now, in my mind, I'm like, okay, that doesn't make sense. We got issues here. Why does it only go down 12 feet? Well, it may only go down 12 feet, but it actually spreads out for miles and miles. And generally, you don't find just one redwood. You actually find them in a massive forest with a bunch of redwoods. And where this gets really interesting is because it spreads out so much, all the roots intertwine together to the point that all the trees are holding each other up. And on the outside, we look at a tree like this and we say, it's so big, it's so great, it's so mighty, it's been here for so long. We, it must have done it on its own. But it's the opposite. It stands so long and so strong because it has all the other trees around it. And in the same way, no matter how talented you may or may not be, no matter how gifted you may or may not be, no matter your life story, you will always perform and be better when you're with community. Regardless of ethnicity, regardless of background, regardless of politics, we are one community. We are one body of Christ. So here's my challenge for you. Do some homework. Go out of your way. Find a mentor and find friends that will challenge you. And if you don't have one, that's awesome. You know where to start. If you need one, Paul's a pretty awesome guy. I highly recommend him. But do yourself a favor. If you want to be at your best for Jesus, if you want to grow the fastest, if you want to go all out, the only way to do that at your very best is with community. Open yourself up to this church family. They've accepted so many people because we all realize we're broken and in need of a savior. So I don't know what you've been through. I don't know who you are or what you've done. But I'm going to let you know there's family here that would love to wrap their arms around you and walk life with you.
The real question is, will you accept it? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to be here today. And Lord, I just pray uh, for myself that even though I, I, I preach this message, I feel convicted by it myself. I, I want to live in community so well that I don't hold things on against my brother or sister. That I don't get angry and, and hold it against them for days. So I just pray for every person here, whether they've been doing this Christian walk for a long time or whether it's just only been for a few weeks. Lord, you see who they are. You know every issue they've ever had and you still love them. So Lord, I pray in the same way that you love them, that they choose to love everyone around them. In Jesus' name, amen.